Welcome to the Startup of the Year podcast, where each episode we showcase exciting new companies from around the world. This podcast is produced by Established, creators of the Startup of the Year program. Established is focused on helping organizations with their innovation, startup, and communication strategies. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Startup of the Year podcast. I'm Frank Gruber, the co-CEO of Established. On this episode, I'm talking to Stephanie Lampkin. She's the founder and CEO of Blendor. Uh, she won our Startup of the Year competition in 2015 out in sunny Las Vegas. With Blendor, job candidates are sourced from hundreds of strategic partners and universities and presented to recruiters without name, photo, or dates. So in doing so, helping provide a unbiased experience when hiring. And before we get started, though, with, with our interview with Stephanie, uh, she'll be joining here shortly, I wanted to share some, some segments with our team. So we've got these different segments jumping in, and today we've got some tips and tricks from Rich Malloy, who's with Established Ventures. He's going to give the VC Minute with some tips about how to communicate better with investors. Take it away, Rich. Quick advice to help startup founders fundraise better. Let's talk about building relationships before you raise. There's a famous startup maxim, lines, not dots. Mark Suster wrote this on his blog in November 2010. That's nearly 10 years ago, and it's just as true today as it was then. When you and I meet, I have one data point, a dot. The next time we meet and I get an update, I have two dots, and now I can draw a line. Mark's blog post, which we'll share in the show notes, plots this on a simple graph as performance over time. And the more dots on that graph, the more confident I feel in the direction of that line. As you meet potential investors, your goal with the first meeting isn't to close the deal. It's for the investor and you both to get a data point on each other, that first dot. After this meeting, keep your potential investors updated with a regular email. I've received these updates as frequently as weekly, too frequent by the way, uh, to quarterly. At a minimum, you should have four sections in this update, the good news, the bad news, the thank yous, and the ask. If you're sending regular email updates, a potential investor has multiple dots to start drawing a line. And when you have your next meeting, they can then confidently draw that line up and to the right in a positive direction. That's all for the VC Minute. Back to you, Frank. Thanks, Rich. Next up, we've got our Director of Strategic Operations, John Guidos. He's going to share some pitch deck pointers, sharing some insights about components to include in that pitch deck when going out to pitch investors or customers or whatnot. Take it away, John. Thank you, Frank. Today, I want to talk to everybody about some key elements for your pitch decks. Uh, The first thing you want to include are some high-level summary slides, and I'll go through specifically what those should look like here in a second. But I want to also emphasize that you should try to use a professional graphic designer, whether it be a personal friend or someone you can hire. I recognize budgets are limited when you are first starting out with your company. However, a nice visualization throughout your deck will be of the utmost importance to demonstrating to potential investors that you're the real deal and you all are professionals. Next, I want to emphasize that you should start out with your elevator pitch, which can very quickly and succinctly explain to viewers uh, your idea, basically. So, and I think it was Guy Kawasaki who provided some guidelines for pitch decks, and he stated that you want to keep your deck no longer than 10 slides. You should be able to talk through the idea and the pitch deck in no longer than 20 minutes, and you should use no less than 30-point font. So that's usually a good format to start out when making your pitch deck. Next, you definitely want to include a slide that uh, 
explains the problem that you are solving. And then you need to follow that up with your product or service and showing that it solves the problem that you had identified. Uh, it's also a good idea to include a demo if possible. Next, you're gonna want to work through your marketing strategy and also explain how you intend to make money. What is your fee structure? Is it B2C, B2B, B2C, etc. Next in your pitch deck, you want to emphasize your team. Pedigree is very important when starting out. As most people know, investors are most likely to invest in either a product and service that they think is novel and will really help provide a solution to those problems or they're going to invest in a team that may not necessarily have all the answers at the beginning, but have the capacity to figure things out as they iterate and move along. The next thing you want to incorporate are financials and projections, which we all know are very important. I specifically want to talk about metrics and the fact that you need to make the data digestible and so that uh, it can be visualized by the audience, which is generally investors. You're also going to want to talk about the total addressable market and they're in the market opportunity so that you can work backwards with your metrics and understand what the uh, potential revenue is for your company. And lastly, I want to emphasize, you know, when you're pitching your deck to investors, you need to deliver with some excitement. And as they say, uh, ABC always be closing. And so at the very end, you want to set some firm follow-up and action items so you can circle back and potentially land that big investment. And that's all I have today for Pitch Deck Pointers. Now back to you, Frank. All right. Thanks so much, team. Great insights. Hopefully you found those helpful, but I've got one more thing. And I've been thinking about this a lot because 2020 has just been a dumpster fire for so, in so many reasons and in so many ways. So I wanted to maybe share a little bit of insight about how to stay positive in this tough time and, you know, really focus on that because there's so much out there that can be negative, that could be looked at as, you know, things that'll bring you down and maybe, maybe sink your company. And you can obviously him and haw all day about it. But really, in order to be successful, you're going to, have to start focusing on the positive, and that's where you'll end up. If you think about it, like if you focused only on the negative, you're going to probably, you know, be drawn to it and drawn to whatever conclusion that you've been thinking might happen. So it's really important for you to think about, okay, where do I want to go, and how do I how do I get there, and really focus on thinking positively about the, every little next step to get there. So if you're trying to get investment, um, and it's you know the pandemic, and there's some issue with maybe connecting with people. Um, you know, it's probably, it can be harder, but, but at the end of the day, people are sitting in their desks probably a little bit more than they would be or sitting at home a little bit more than they would be uh, if there wasn't something like this going on. So I think the focus here would be try to connect with people, try to connect with more people. Um, if you've only pitched, you know, let's say 10 investors and you've gotten all no's, well, you haven't pitched enough. You know, there's probably another 90 something people you could probably connect with and pitch with and get, get feedback. And it only takes one, um, one yes to get that, get that company going. So I think the key here is just focus on the positive. You know, Wayne Gretzky has a great quote, pretty well-known quote. Um, you, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. So you got to get out there and take more shots and focus on the fact that you're out there doing it and not so much the feedback because, Ultimately, you're gonna if you keep going and and you and you don't give up, you're gonna end up finding your way. I mean, it's really really hard to beat somebody that doesn't give up. In fact, I'd say you'll probably be undefeated if you don't give up. So keep going, don't give up, stay positive, keep your head up, and keep doing it. Hopefully, you found that helpful in this tough tough year, and uh, maybe these insights will be be something that can can guide you on your journey. All right, now I'm going to share something uh, we've been up to. So if you've been following along, you know we've been doing these 
uh, pitch events online as we lead up to our annual summit. It's our eighth annual Startup the Year Summit coming up in November. It'll be online this year, which will be a little different. We had it in Memphis last year and it was great, but this year we're bringing it online due to the global pandemic and it'll be different, but I think it'll be great. So I'm really excited about what's happening uh, November 16th through 18th. So mark your calendar, November 16th through 18th. And you can go to summit.startupofyear.com to sign up and get more information about the summit. We'd love to have you join us. Um, what's going to be happening is we've got 100 startups that have been vetted down from the Startup of the Year competition. So some have been fast tracks from the events that we've been you know, having leading up to the, event, the big summit. Others will be kind of pooled through our, our judging process. And we'll have 100 stars from all over the country, from all different backgrounds, uh, pitching for a chance to be Startup of the Year. Uh, there's an opportunity for a company to get $20,000 in investment from established ventures, which is um, really exciting for, for a company there. And obviously other prizes and exposure and, and opportunity to connect with a number of investors along the way. We try to do a lot of, um, of that connecting uh, through curated matchmaking, where we'll be connecting some of the startups with uh, the different uh, investors that are there. But as an attendee, you can come in and try to directly connect with them as well. Uh, there'll be talks, which will be different than last year. We didn't have a lot of, of talks. Years prior, we have. We've had a lot of different speakers, noteworthy speakers come through. This year, we've got Tim Draper from Draper VC and uh, Draper University, as well as Kara Golden, who's the founder and CEO of Hint Water, as well as the author of a new book called Undaunted. So those are just a couple names coming through and we're excited to have them. There's going to be others as well and a lot of uh, opportunities to ask questions to investors and corporates and we'll have some ask me anything sessions with different investors. It'll be a lot of fun. So you're going to definitely want to sign up and be a part of it. Mark that calendar. Something new this year, though, is we're actually highlighting veteran founders with uh, our partner, uh, .us. So we've got the .us Veteran Startup of the Year category this year, and we're basically giving, they're giving away a $10,000 non-dilutive cash prize to a founder of, uh, which for a company founded by a U.S. veteran, spouse, or dependent. So that's super exciting. Obviously, we really appreciate what veterans have done uh, for this country, and uh, we want to be able to shine a light on some of this great work they're doing post um, being being in the service or um, now that they're out as well as some of their spouses or dependents. So exciting stuff. Um, really excited about that that component. It's new this year and you know working with .us has been great. They've even offered an opportunity to um, give anybody listening actually or, or that comes to the summit an opportunity to get a free domain, uh, a .us domain. So if you've got a great idea, idea out there and you want to get it started, um, maybe you want to use it as a, a link shortener uh, to shorten a, um, your, your domain or whatnot. Um, you can do that. We did that. So we have established.us and then we have est.us. Uh, we've got both of them. We use one for our email and one for our website. And uh, you can do that same same kind of thing. Obviously not with established. We already got that one. But um, some other companies that use it are zoom.us and, and others um, out there. So if you go to uh, SOTY.link forward slash dot us plus you can go sign up for that link and or sorry for that domain and and get started right away so just a nice little perk for working with a partner like dot us and if like i mentioned earlier go sign up for that summit it's coming up here soon november 16th through 18th it should be a lot of fun and i'm really looking forward to it all right now let's start uh catching up with uh, stephanie lampkin from blendor stephanie welcome thanks for joining us thanks for having me so can you give us a little bit of an update uh, and maybe explain for listeners what Blendor is and that way we kind of get a baseline and then we can dive in. Yeah, so Blendor is an enterprise software company that mitigates unconscious bias in hiring and retaining a diverse workforce. 
Um, started the company in 2015, as you mentioned, in response to a lot of companies looking for solutions to uh, increase the number of women and underrepresented minorities in their uh, in their workforces. That makes sense. And then, how do you? What's the business model? How do you make money from uh, from users? I guess. Typical enterprise SaaS uh, B2B model, we charge a subscription fee for um, monthly or annual access to the platform. Great. And I think last we spoke was a long time ago, but can you give us kind of an update on some of the partners you've been working with? And I mean, you've had some really notable companies that you've been working with for, I assume, a while. Can you give us just an update? Yeah, pretty big company, Salesforce, uh, Amazon, Intuit. Um, we've worked with uh, close to 250 companies now. Um, in various aspects of uh, they're giving them access to recruiting tools or our a relatively new index called blend score, which is a started off as a side project of mine, sort of a customer acquisition tool. Um, and it's now turned into a very uh, high in demand product where we um, analyze your company's overall diversity, equity and inclusion across hundreds of different metrics and publicly available informations to give you basically a score and a ranking um, for how well you are creating an inclusive workforce. So it's kind of like a good starting point for a lot of the companies that come across our desk. Um, because much like anything else, the first step is admitting that you have a problem um, and then really pinpointing where your gaps and weaknesses are. Wow, that's really interesting. And, um, you know, I'm just thinking from my old techco media days and, and beyond, like, that's something you should put out there free and like, just let people know, like, here's your, here's your score. Oh, and yeah, maybe it you is. Should, like, oh, it is. Okay, great. That's amazing. So it's kind of like the, uh, you know, Forbes list or fortune or ink list or whatever of, of, of scores, I assume. Exactly. Exactly. Oh. We, we're hoping that it will have that level of like credibility of like a U.S. News World Report ranking where wow. you can just kind of vet company cultures. Cause my, my thesis is a culture that's good for um, you know, marginalized groups is probably good for everybody else. I'm pretty sure there's a correlation between diversity and company culture. Definitely. Yes. All right. So just so, you know, the folks that are listening, can you just walk us through, like, if I'm an Amazon or I guess our company established, I wanted to use this product, what would the user experience look like or how does it work? I'd come to you and say, Hey, I want to use this. What do I do? Yeah. So we, um, you can sign up. We have a Know Your Blend Score product that we that we start, where we give you um, an assessment and access to like this Credit Karma like tool, where you can see your score and get recommendations. Um, included in those recommendations are access to our recruiting tools, where it's kind of where we started. Where a company, let's say Amazon, has a recruiter goes in, um, post jobs, or we can connect with your applicant tracking system to surface candidates out of our database of over a million diverse um, professionals to match with whatever jobs that you currently are advertising on the platform. Um, you view those candidates without name, photo, or age. You're only um, seeing how well they match the skills and requirements of the job. And um, once you decide to move forward with any of the candidates on the platform, um, you can continue forward with your applicant tracking system or whatever are the next steps in your hiring process. Okay, great. Can you tell us a little bit more? So, you know, this year, racial justice has been a, you know, focus for the year aside from, from COVID. Um, I'm curious how that's impacted you, you guys as you're, you're doing something to kind of help shine a light on the fact that there's, you know, um, definitely needs to be more diversity in, in the marketplace. Yeah, it's um, 
there's definitely been an increased demand. We see this, we've seen this over the past five years, actually. Um, they're just spikes that happen based on major events, whether it's Me Too or BLM or, um, you know, any sort of event that could be highlighting the severity of some of our social challenges. So uh, we've definitely seen an uptick in the number of demo requests and, and requests for information about the product. Um, and we're just trying to identify the most effective ways that we can build solutions that scale. Because a lot of people I think are looking to have like racial justice training or unconscious bias training. Um, and there's sufficient evidence that those things don't actually change behavior. So it's been quite a task um, iterating on products and designs to really um, hit on the core problems that um, are related to unconscious bias. Yeah, that makes sense. And I think when you pitched, you were based in New York. You're based in San Francisco now, correct? Yeah, we're headquartered in San Francisco. Okay, that makes sense. And have you, you know, obviously you've, you've raised some capital um, with with Blendor. Can you share a little bit more about that experience? Yeah, so just uh, over the past five years, we've raised 1.2 million, um, which is, you know, in the grand scheme of startup life, five years, 1.2 million is relatively small. But that actually makes me only one of 40 Black women in the world to ever raise over a million dollars in venture capital. So, so there's a study called Project Diane that found that of the hundreds of billions of dollars um, in venture capital that get dispensed every year, about 0.0006% of that goes to black female-led companies. Wow. Um, so it's definitely been an uphill battle. Wait, say that number again. That was 0.0006%? Yes, that's wow. correct. That is terrible. Um, and actually the majority of that is just went to one founder, Julia Collins of Zoom Pizza. Um, she was able to raise $325 million from SoftBank. The rest of us are just kind of getting um, pennies here and there. So, you know, it's challenging, um, but it turns out to yield some positive, like, natural selection benefits in that the investors that I do have are so supportive um, and just, like, hardworking and patient um, in ways that I don't think would be the case had I received investment from a much larger, uh, well-known, uh, reputable VC. We've gotten some institutional investors like Elevate Capital and Backstage Capital. Um, but yeah, I think I'm, I think I'm in, in the right place and on the right side of history when it comes to um, where we are with the, with the venture capital industry. Yep. And how about, tell us a little bit more about uh, anything that you're working on right now, like the, the latest products that you talked about the, the index, um, sure, sure. Anything else that you've been working on? Well, outside of Blendor, I started a network of called visible figures. So kind of a play on the movie hidden figures, um, I of, I collected all, yeah, all the black female founders of venture back tech companies. So they're only like a hundred and little, I call it like our own little good old girls network. We, um, host a series of private roundtables, events, access to, you know, opportunities. Um, and it's it's just grown exponentially. And now we're formalizing it in a way where folks who are looking for diverse suppliers, board members, new hires, you name it, um, can tap into this network as well. 
That's awesome. Uh, visible figures. Is that what you call it? Yep. Visible figures. You is, can check okay. out our, mm -hmm, you can check out our landing page, visiblefigures.com. Excellent. All right. That's, that's really cool. I, I love that you, you've got this side kind of side thing that's helping people. It's amazing. All right. So can you tell us about your experience working with uh, start of the year program and, and what that was like? It was 100% positive. Like I'm always, um, verbally supporting startup of the year. Um, I actually coached another uh, startup that won, I think a couple years later. Um, it's the salon rental yep. company. Sure, sure, uh, yes. Sure, sure, yes. So um, I've just been a big fan. And I think in a lot of ways, the, the process helped me really hone my pitch. As a founder, you know, that like 90% of your time is pitching, pitching investors, pitching clients, pitching new hires. Um, and so just really like honing the art of the pitch. Also, you guys gave me a free photo shoot as a part of being a contestant. And I still to this day use those pictures. As a matter of fact, I can send you, if you check out MIT latest ideas to matter, they cartoonized, if that's a word, um, the photo that was taken at my startup of the year year. Um, so so yeah, it's, wow. it's yielded a lot of positive things, um, I'd say, in, That's great. in five years. Yeah. That's great. All right, so back then we didn't have our um, established ventures, which is basically an SPV. Um, obviously, we started the year after you, so we, you know, now we're basically working and trying to find interesting companies to help um, with investment as well. So you just missed it by year, unfortunately, but uh, we hope that you know, as you continue to, to your, with your journey, you'll be able to come back to us as we, we continue to build out that arm of what we're doing. Sure. Um, so, okay, so let's talk about some startup do's and don'ts. Or do you have any startup do's and don'ts that you like to share that you usually mm. share with founders? Yeah, I'd say uh, startup do's are, um, even though it's really tough to just get out and network, relationships matter. Um, and especially within your domain, like uh, don't go overboard with the conferences and trade shows, try to be a bit more targeted and strategic and um, getting access to the places and spaces where um, the industry leaders are, but uh, definitely prioritize building uh, those relationships. And then startup don'ts, um, I think the the sales sort of salesy model of fishing with a net when you're fundraising is kind of going out of style. Um, VCs have so much deal flow now; they get so much attention that um, you know they want to feel like you've done some homework and that what you're uh, what you're pitching to them is actually relevant, and you know um, you know sort of what their investment thesis is, and um, it just makes sense. So uh, I would say, you know, figure out a way to find, um, find the investors in your space that uh, are people that you really want to work with. It, you know, they say it's like it's closer than a marriage. And I think it's, that's becoming more and more the case uh, over time. All right. So let's, let's dive into some advice on companies that you, you mentioned earlier about funds, right? Like there's lack of funds, especially for minorities, women, um, people of color, um, maybe can you talk about some advice on, you know, growth plans if there's lack of funds, let's say? Yeah. So I was really successful in uh, winning pitch competitions. Obviously I'd say uh, at least a quarter of the amount of money that we raised was just through non-dilutive um, pitch competitions or, or similar type programs. Um, so look for non-dilutive capital. And then uh, secondly, I'd say uh, double down on, 
just revenue opportunities. Like I think sometimes you can be so laser focused, particularly if you're in, in software um, on building the product and which can be quite costly um, when there could be opportunities to generate revenue either through public speaking or consulting or um, that also aren't a complete distraction from the business. I don't want to recommend that you just have a whole different side hustle for public speaking, but um, there are ways in which you can manage uh, sort of consulting side gig if need be to just, you know, keep the lights on. That's great advice. Um, find a way to make, make it happen, especially we didn't talk as much about it, but, you know, obviously we've been experiencing a, a pandemic. Uh, wanted to hear how that maybe has impacted you or, you know, and if there's anything um, that you've, you know, kind of gleaned from it. Yeah, we were hit really, really hard in March and April because of hiring freezes. Um, so I had to scale the team back quite a bit. Um, but then uh, George Floyd was killed and Ahmaud Arbery and all these sorts of events that led to kind of an increased consciousness about the problems that Blendor uh, seeks to address. And so we did see quite a bit of surge um, in demand. And so now I'm trying to kind of rebuild um, from there. But, you know, in a lot of ways, COVID has been beneficial because it slowed things down, kind of gave us an opportunity to reevaluate um, what we were doing and what was sustainable. Um, but on the other hand, you know, it's, it's been quite taxing on the team, but in the end, I'm pretty hopeful that, um, we'll come out of it, uh, on a better foot than we were pre COVID. Yeah, that definitely. It definitely gives people a lot more, you know, we're not, we're not traveling. That alone is like, takes up a lot of time and effort. And, you know, obviously yeah. without that on itself in itself, it kind of gives you a little bit more time back. All right, let's talk about kind of your motivation and, and maybe some of your mentors. Who are some of uh, your, your mentors that you, you kind of look to? So I have like my own sort of personal board of directors slash mentors. These are just people in various aspects of business, venture capital, et cetera, that have kind of already made it, broke, broken through a few glass ceilings um, that I often just reach out to whenever I'm stuck on a really hard problem. Um, and then I would say folks that I don't know personally that I just kind of look up to and, and try to mirror, um, are, you know, like Melody Hobson, she's the president of aerial investments here in Chicago. Um, and of course she's well known for marrying George Lucas, but, uh, I think she's been an, a strong inspiration. Ursula Burns, she's the former CEO of Xerox, first black female CEO of a fortune 500 um, tech company ever. And uh, yeah, Serena Williams uh, inspires me a lot too. I wouldn't call her a mentor per se, but um, I think, yeah, in, you know, internally I have a group of folks that I keep close um, in, in terms of mentorship. And then, you know, I just try to expose myself to as many amazing people who've broken down doors to help keep me going. That's great. And, and speaking of kind of, this kind of goes in line with it. So you've, you've been pushing this company ahead. Can you share some of your like habits or maybe rituals to kind of, um, that you go through to kind of innovate or find innovation? Mm, so this is actually what that MIT article was about ideas made to matter. Um, they asked, you know, just kind of like what my creative process is like. Um, I'm a big crowdsourcer for ideas and feedback and signals. 
meaning I just try to talk with as many people as possible who are relevant and look for patterns, look for signals that can validate if I'm on the right path. Um, and then, you know, much like we do with product, just put things out there and optimize and iterate. So that's, that's kind of how my process is. I try not to be too insular in thinking that I have the best ideas and um, what I'm doing is an accurate solution versus uh, just looking for as much feedback as I can. That makes sense. All right. And then how do you stay, you know, productive in what you're doing like you've been doing this for five years and i know like i ran a company for 10 plus how do you continue to like keep keep energized about it mm, good question i live a relatively balanced life in terms of like work and play so I go to car things like trinidad carnival every year um i try to to travel to new places at least a couple times a year just for new experiences um and exposure um, but it is, it is really hard. Burnout, avoiding burnout is really hard. Um, I think I have just mastered the art of identifying what activities bring me the most joy and sense of fulfillment and do my best to prioritize making it happen. That makes, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, do you do it on a regular level or like every day are there things you do or is it more like bursts? Curious. Mm. Usually like once a month, I try to do something where I'm just kind of taken out of my element. Um, and obviously during COVID, it's, ha it's had to be a bit more local. So it could just right. be a camping trip, um, a little day picnic somewhere, a hiking trip, just something to just kind of step out of the slog a bit and, you know, get a breath of fresh air. Okay, so let's, uh, let's share some some maybe some ways that people could get in contact with you if there's anything else you wanted to share about uh blender and what you're up to yeah find me on linkedin i'm super active there um stephanie lampkin you can follow me or email me slampkin at blender.com also on twitter uh but i would say linkedin for sure is my most active medium All right. hit her up on linkedin if you want to connect anything coming down down the pipe here for blender that you wanted to share that we didn't talk about uh, we have a new platform coming out called Blendor X. It's a um, networking platform for uh, VP level and above professionals of color. So if you are VP level and above or looking to get access to VP level and above um, talent, uh, sign up on uh, Blendor.com slash Blendor X. Thanks so much, Stephanie. Really appreciate you taking the time and it's great to catch up. I can't believe time flies. It's been five years since you won start of the year and uh, sounds like you're doing great and continue to, to move forward with your product and, and obviously some, some side projects too, which are really cool. Um, thank you again for, for being here and, and for doing what you do. All right. So we're starting to get at that point uh, where we're going to be wrapping up here in a second. But before we do, I wanted to let you know if you have a startup idea, and you want to get it going, today is the best day to get it started. Not tomorrow, not the next day. Get it today, get it out there, and get it in the world, and continue to iterate. All right, till next time, I'm Frank Gruber signing off. Stay safe out there, be well, and I hope to see you soon. Thanks for listening to the Startup of the Year podcast. Be sure to subscribe, and we'll be back with another episode soon.